Here we see in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, something happened that was spectacular after Jesus rose from the grave. He not only rose from the grave, but he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father in all majesty and glory and honor. He is alive and well, and he has ascended. But to each one of us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, was grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? You might want to look at that very closely. So he ascended after he rose. He ascended. But before he ascended, it says that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. Do you notice there? Parts is plural. So it talks about different compartments down in hell. It's referring to the lower worlds. It's referring to hell and Sheol and Hades. So now this he ascended. What does it mean also that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Where it says that he might fill all things is talking about completing the act of salvation. Salvation and redemption was not complete until Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. So it's not only his death, his burial, and resurrection that did not complete salvation and redemption. He also had to ascend then he also had to be exalted and sit down at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, but how many of you are glad he ascended, and then he also was exalted by God and was given a name that is above every name, that only the name of Jesus we will bow at his feet and bow at his heart and bow at his throne. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father and redemption was finished. How many of you are glad that he completed the task all the way that we could be born again and go to heaven? Now, we need to understand something. Jesus rose from the grave, he ascended to heaven, but before Jesus ascended, he also descended. So in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God God created the heavens, it's plural, you can read it yourself, created the heavens, everybody say heavens, it is plural, created the heavens and the earth. There are three heavens that we need to talk about this morning a little bit. First of all, there was the atmosphere. As you walk outside today, and how many of you know it's a beautiful day? By the way, it's 30 degrees in Detroit right now. How many of you are glad you were in, you were in Newport Ritchie, Florida, or in this area? Oh, I am so glad. I am so glad. And so we see that as soon as you go outside today and you look up, you are seeing the atmosphere. You are seeing right in front of you and that atmospheric conditions that are there today, it's going to be clear and it is going to be sunny. And then after you go through the atmosphere, the second heaven is the planets and is the galaxy and is outer space. So we see here as you look up into the night sky tonight, you're not only going to see the atmosphere right above earth, but you're going to be able to see up into the stars. You're going to see the moon that is shining. You'll see the sun that is shining today. That is the outer space. And then there is the third heaven. When you get through the outer space, the millions and millions of miles of galaxies, there is the third heaven and guess what's located there? The throne of God is located there. So I don't want any of us to die, but if any of us would die today, an angel from God would come down and grab you by the hand, and he would whisk you away. Let's say out of your room, you were on the couch, and you died. You gave up your last breath, and all of a sudden, you would look back and see people. They were so sad, and they're crying over you being gone. But how many of you know you're going to have a big smile on your face? Can you say amen? As that angel grabs you by the hand, takes you through the atmosphere, then he's going to take you through all the galaxies and through all the planets and through outer space, then guess what? the first person you're going to see is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when you open your eyes and you stand before him in that third heaven. What a beautiful place it is going to be. How many of you know that you're going to heaven? Can I see your hand lifted up in the air? If you do not know that today, you need to know that today. It's very, very important. Now, if you'll notice here in Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 7, it says, when he 
ascended on high. He led captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean that he first ascended into the lower parts? Everybody say parts. Lower parts of the earth. So just as there are three heaven, there are three compartments in hell. The first one is Tartarus, and that's not something that goes on your fish sandwich, okay? It's found in the book of Jude. It's found in the book of Jude, and that is where the fallen angels went to from Genesis chapter 6 when they had relations with men and women, had relations with women here on planet earth. Again, it's in the book of Jude. So there is Tartarus where fallen angels go to. Then there is paradise. In the Old Testament, paradise is where the Old Testament saints went to. That was a compartment of peace. That was a compartment where the presence of the Lord was. So Noah and David and all the Old Testament saints, when they died, they didn't go automatically to heaven. They went down and they went down into a place called paradise. If you notice King David in Psalm 1610, he said this, Lord, please don't leave my soul in Sheol where I will face corruption. Even King David, he said he knew when he died he was going to be down. But how many of you are glad there was a day when he was going to come up out of that place called paradise and be with the Lord? Then the third compartment is Sheol. And this is where hell actually is, a place of torment and separation from God. So in the Old Testament, all believers went to this holding place in hell called paradise. They went down and paradise was not a place of torment. It was a place of peace. And most believers, if you'll read about them in their deaths, they talked about going down into the lower parts of the earth at death. But when Jesus died, before he ascended, guess what he did? He descended down into hell, the lower parts of the earth, and he declared victory over death and the grave and hell and the devil. And then he led all the believers out of paradise and he took them directly to heaven to be with him forever and ever. Now when we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we go automatically to be with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, I sat there. Anybody else have an imagination like me? I tell you what. I sat there and I said, can you imagine Jesus Christ going down into the lower parts of the earth and the devil seeing him down there? He said, whoa, dude, what are you doing here? I'll tell you what I'm doing here. I am the Christ, the son of the living God, and I'm here to take the keys of death and hell away from you, and I'm here to lead the those of the Old Testament saints up to heaven, and he grabbed them by the hands, and he led them up to heaven. I got good news for you. When all of us die, we go immediately to be with the Lord. There is no purgatory. There is no holding place. There was no reincarnation. You're not coming back as a cockroach, okay? You are going directly to the King of kings and Lord of lords. When you leave, you have a direct line to him, and you'll stand before him face to face. Isn't that awesome? Come on, everybody give the Lord praise. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1 and verses 9 to 11. Acts chapter 1 and verses 9 to 11. Now, because Jesus Christ has ascended, and I believe that he has ascended, I believe that he has been exalted. I believe that he has risen from the grave. I don't believe it's a story. I believe it is true. The scriptures are true. Because he has ascended, we also need to understand that Jesus is coming back soon. Oh, he is coming back soon. I can't wait for the return of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe we are the generation that's going to see the return of the Lord. Now, the Bible says there's a lot of mockers in the last days. You say, what are mockers? People say, oh, I've heard that over and over again. And you know what? We're getting ready for today. We're going to have a barbecue. And then tomorrow I'm going back to work. And kids are going to school. And we have our vacation planned for this summer. And things are just going to keep going the way they've always been. The Bible says that is a mocker. We're not to be a mocker. How many of you know we can plan all that? But I got news for you. The Lord can come back anytime. Now, everything is 
been fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled for the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come back. How many of you are excited that you are living during the last days? You are living in the end times. You are living in a time where the Lord is coming back and he's given us the opportunity to live during this time. So we see here in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, this is Jesus speaking, while the disciples watched, look at this, he was taken up. What is that? That's the ascension of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ has raised from the dead, but now he is speaking to the disciples and all of a sudden he starts to go up in the air. Would that be a cool thing? You're sitting there talking to Jesus and all of a sudden, whoop, like that. And they were just sitting there gawking at him. And they were looking at him as he went into heaven. And he went to sit down in the throne room of God and be exalted by the Lord and say, redemption is completed. So it says while Jesus was talking to them, he was taken up. And a cloud received him. The word cloud represents his glory and his presence. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men, those are angels, stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and I've been there. I've stood right where Jesus came and where Jesus stood, and Jesus is there talking to him. All of a sudden, he is taken up into heaven. The disciples are gawking, and the angel comes and says, close your mouths. Don't sit here forever. Come on, the same Jesus who left the Mount of Olives is coming back to the Mount of Olives, so get busy and do everything you can because the Lord is coming back soon. How many of you know we are living at a time where we need to get busy for the things of the Lord because Jesus is on his way back. Can you say amen? Oh, he is on his way back. Pastor Strayer, how in the world do you know that the Lord is coming back? Signs. Oh, there's signs every place. There are signs everywhere. The Bible says when the generation that sees all these signs start to happen, I believe right now there is what I call a convergence of signs. What does that mean? Not just one sign happening, not just two signs happening, but there is a convergence of signs. There are signs all over the globe, many of them. They are all coming together at one time to prove and to show that Jesus Christ is on his way back. If there was just one or two signs or three signs out there, then I'd say, well, we probably got hundreds of years. But a convergence of signs means there is tons and tons and tons of signs that are coming from heaven all at once. Guess what God is doing? He is trying to open our eyes to show us that he is coming back soon. He is trying to open up our eyes so we don't become selfish and we become other-centered. He is trying to open up our hearts and minds that we will give to foreign missionaries. He is trying to open up our hearts and our minds to let us know that this is the generation that's going to see the return of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's an exciting time. It's an awesome time. It's a wonderful time. Come on, everybody shout to the Lord this morning. He's coming back. He's coming back. Billy Graham, a great evangelist who's in heaven. For some of you that are younger that don't know him, he was a great evangelist in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and 90s. Then he went to heaven. He said this, there's a great deal to say in the Bible about the signs we are to watch for. And when these signs all converge at one place, we can be sure that we are close to the end of the age. And these signs, in my judgment, are converging now for the first time since Jesus made these predictions. After Billy Graham said that about a year ago, he went to heaven to be with the Lord. 
Lord. I honor that man, and that man is a man of great wisdom. So I believe with all of my heart that God has shown some of our generals that the return of the Lord is getting closer and closer. Pastor, I wish he would wait a little bit longer. Listen, nobody knows the day or the hour. All I can say is this. There's a convergence of signs that are taking place across the globe. I pray it's getting your attention. I pray it is getting my attention. I pray it will shake us. I pray it will prompt us. I pray it will compel us to do all that we can for the King of kings and Lord of lords before the end of this age. Can you say amen? Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let me give you a few of these signs. I could give you a hundred of them. We'd be here till 3 o'clock. But this service loves to stay in church, doesn't it? Oh, yes. I thought so. All five of you. Okay, here we go. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 10. Let me give you a few of the signs that are converging. Again, I could give you so many that are happening. But let me give you a few that are going on and happening that will show you that the return of the Lord is so very, very close. 2 Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 10. But the day of the Lord might come. But the day of the Lord, it will come one of these days. Look at this. The day of the Lord, it will come. How many of you know when the Lord gives his word, he keeps his word? The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away. Look at these descriptions. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening to the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Pastor, what is the first sign that shows that the Lord is coming back soon? Number one is this. It's the first time in the history of mankind where the elimination of the human race could occur. Isn't that amazing. You say, how can that happen? Did you read the description here? What is that referring to? Nuclear war. It's right here in our Bibles. In the end days, there are going to be nuclear wars that take place. Look what it says here. It says the earth will burn up. In verse 11, these things will be dissolved. Look at that. The elements with melt will melt with fervent heat. We need to understand that there has never been a time in history like today where the world could be destroyed except today's nuclear weapons, and they are so abundant. Countries that have a nuclear weapon are China and Russia and India and Pakistan and North Korea, the United States and France and England and Israel. And these nuclear weapons could destroy the entire earth a million times over. Why does Peter talk about nuclear warfare and the return of the Lord? Because if the Lord didn't come back, how many of you know all of civilization would be destroyed and all humanity would be eliminated? But how many of you are glad the Lord is coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords to make sure that humanity is not eliminated, but humanity can continue on and a civilization can continue to operate? Number two, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Can I give you another one? Is it okay? Matthew 24, okay. When people stop saying okay, then I won't give any more. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9. What's the second sign? And all of these are happening right in front of us. Why do you think there's these negotiations going on with North Korea? They want to stop another country from getting a nuclear weapon so that mankind will not destroy themselves. Here in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9, we see the second sign that shows that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. 
Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Who was that talking about? It's talking about the nation of Israel, talking about the Jewish people. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you, Israel, will be hated, look at this, will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. The second sign that the Lord is coming back is the hatred of Israel. Did you see the synagogue shooting that took place just yesterday? in California, where a young man went into the synagogue and they were doing the Passover. It was the last day of the Passover. He had a rifle on him and he had munitions on him. 19-year-old young man went in, started to shoot the rifle, killed one person and wounded, I think, about three. And thank the Lord, there was a Border Patrol agent in that service because that Border Patrol agent, how many of you know, he was packing just like some of you were packing. I wouldn't want to be a terrorist coming into this church, that's for sure. How many of you know there's going to be a funeral? I just hope he receives Christ before he gets shot. That's for sure. That's why you got security in churches today. Do you realize there is an avalanche of of persecution against churches today? and against the religious and against like the Jewish today. And so we see that this man went in, but that border patrol agent had a gun, started shooting at him, and they nabbed that young man, and he'll be in jail for the rest of his life for murder. But let me tell you something. We see today anti-Semitism all across the globe. You can see it on the news now. You're hearing that a lot. Anti-Semitic marks and anti-Semitic marks. The last time it was this blatant was when Hitler took over, and they destroyed some millions and millions of Jews. We cannot let that happen, God's people. I want you to understand... Israel doesn't always make the right decisions, and we are also for the Palestinians to be saved and born again, but we stand with the nation of Israel. We stand with the Jewish people. My Bible says that those who are for Israel will be blessed, and those who are against Israel will not be blessed. Can you say amen? It's a sign of the last days. Turn with me to, let's look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7. Here's the third sign that the Lord is coming back, disease. How many of you know there's a lot of diseases today? Oh, my goodness. There are so many diseases. Almost every commercial is a drug commercial, and you take care of that disease by this drug. And how many of you know that drug doesn't work like it used to? Now you've got to take another drug on top of that drug, and those drugs don't work. And then you've got to take another drug on top of another drug. We are a drug society and a drug culture. But if you notice here in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 7, look what it says. Nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, and there will be pestilences, and there will be earthquakes in various places. I'm giving you things that have happened in the last week, in the last seven days. There is a new disease out there in 2019. Have you just read about it this last week? It is a new deadly superbug fungus. It is called Candida auris. It's in the United States, and it's spreading in the world, and there is no cure for it. Isn't that amazing? You say, Pastor, why are all these things happening? You're scaring us. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to let you know that you and me are living in the last days. And there's going to be diseases like this that come up, and they're going to start to spread to mankind. You say, Pastor, are we going to get that disease? You know what Psalm 91 says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. No arrow will hurt you during the day. No pestilence will be able to come near for you as you run into the fortress and as you run into the refuge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you know if you're following the Lord in the last days, you've got nothing to worry about? Hello, is anybody out there? Come on, give him praise today. Can you say amen? Can I give you another one? Oh, good. Luke chapter 21. Hey, there's more of you saying yes. I love it. Luke chapter 21. 
You're just being nice, aren't you? Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 25. There's going to be uncertainty across the globe. And again, all of these are things that have happened within the last week that have been on the news, that have been circulated. Look what it says in verse 25 of Luke 21. There will be signs in the sun. There will be signs in the moon. There will be signs in the star. I know many of you think that it's aliens from another planet, but there are signs in the sun. There are signs in the star. There are signs in the moon. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves are going to be roaring. Anybody heard of a tsunami? Men's hearts feeling them for fear. Anybody hear of anxiety? And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, but then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Second service, when you begin to see these things happen, look up and lift up your heads because the return of the Lord and your redemption is getting closer and closer and closer. There is uncertainty. The next sign is there is uncertainty across the globe. Do you realize that our president and our Congress is ready to boycott oil from Iran, which will cause great instability across the globe? If you think paying two sixty dollars a gallon is expensive, you ain't seen nothing yet, brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of you understand that the Iraqi prime minister just met with the Iranian prime minister and they want to start working together militarily and financially and with oil? You say, I thought Iraq was on our side. Read your Bible. How many of you in the book of Ezekiel, Iraq and all those nations formulate a company of of nations and people that are going to fight against the Lord and fight against the United States of America? And there was just a terrorist attack. Anybody just hear about that? There's a terrorist attack in Sri Lanka. Around 300 people were killed and many were wounded just happened a week ago it's causing great instability it's causing great anxiety across the globe but how many of you are glad you don't have to be anxious how many of you are glad that you can be stable you know why because our lives are based on the rock our lives are based on the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ let the wind blow let all these things happen but how many of you are glad we're not going under we are going over and we're going to follow the Lord with all of our hearts he's coming back soon can I give you one more Okay, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12. You guys are special. I didn't give all these to first service. I like second service better. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12. One more. I could give you hundreds of them. Here's the last one. Jewish people returning home. The Jewish people are going home. You say, where's home? Israel. Israel. The population of Israel is almost 9 million people now. In 1980, it was about 3 million people. Here in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12. He will set up a banner for the nations. He will assemble the outcast of Israel. He will gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So guess what the Lord is doing right now? He is blowing all across the globe, and he is speaking to the hearts of those that are Jewish people all across the globe, and they're heading back to their homeland. And the Bible says when you start to see the Jewish people head back to Israel, know that the Lord is coming back. Are you ready for this second service? For the first time in the history of Israel right now, there are more Jewish people in Israel than any place else in the world. Right now as you're sitting here, it's never happened before. What are you doing, Pastor? Whoop! 
when you start to see these things happening, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. The population of Israel in 1980 was 3.7 million. In, in 2000, it was 6.13. And now in 2019, there are almost 9 million Jewish people in the nation of Israel. God's people, we are living in the last days. Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father. And how many of you are glad because he ascended, he is coming back in all power and majesty and glory and honor. And all the signs are converging to prove that. Come on, everybody give the Lord praise. Would you do that? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, would you do that? Philippians chapter 2 in your Bibles. Here's the second thing I want to share. I got 50 of these this morning. Number 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Starting in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, or let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God because he was God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't say that God has highly exalted Buddha. It doesn't say that God has highly exalted any other man or any other God or any other religion. God has only highly exalted one person, and his name is Jesus, and has given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, look what's going to happen. Every knee is going to bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ not only ascended to the right hand of the Father, but he was exalted as the only true and living God and the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Pastor Strayer, I'm not bowing. Oh, yes, you are. You are going to bow. Every politician's going to bow. Every individual's going to bow. No matter who you are, how wealthy you are, what you believe, when we stand before God, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the one and true and only God because he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now be careful today because here we go again. Another election is coming up. Aren't you ready for that? 2020, we got to listen to this stuff for two years. I turn that off and watch sports. I got to watch anything but that. And now all of a sudden I hear all these candidates. God bless America. Wow, I guess they want the Christian vote. God bless America. I believe in God. Oh, you do? I didn't know that two weeks ago, but now that you're running, yes, now you believe in God. But I'm sitting there and I'm listening for one name that I don't hear. I hear the name God a lot, but I don't hear one name that I need to hear. Because when somebody says God, who are they referring to? Because politically correct people will only use the name God, but they will not say the name Jesus. God does not stir up anybody, but you say Jesus, woo! There's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things that are happening. There was an uh, uh, assemblywoman in Ohio that got up and prayed. She's one of the state senators there, and she used the name of Jesus. They blasted her. I put a comment because you could make a comment back, and I sent her a note. I don't know if she read it or not, but I said, I'm so thankful. I stand with you because there's no greater name, the only name that is above all names, and his name is Jesus. Can anybody else say that name? You didn't say it loud enough. Jesus. You say, that offends me. Get the book. Get the book. You need to understand something. That when you say the name God, it might not refer to Jesus. Scientology, their God is in you. 
China, when they say God, it's Shangdi. Buddhism, when they say God, it's nature. Islam, when they say God, it is Allah. I had a family come up to the guest reception. They were very nice, and I was nice to them. They said, we want you to know that Allah is the same God that you're worshiping. I said, no, 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 no. Allah is not the same God that we're worshiping. No, no. We worship the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Only his name is above all names. So use the name God, but somebody better say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. When you're praying to the Father, you're praying the Father to the name of Jesus. You talk about Jesus. You preach about Jesus. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. You proclaim Jesus. You declare Jesus. You magnify Jesus. You honor Jesus and watch the demons come out of the woodwork and watch the demons tremble. The exaltation of Jesus gave Jesus a name that is above every name. Look what it says in verse 9. It says that at the name of, that, excuse me, it says, therefore God has also highly exalted him, highly exalted him. It means to be elevated to the highest point. It means that he is God. It means that he alone is at the top of the page. In fact, he is the one who was on his own page. No one is close to him or equal to him because he is God. Jesus is the only one God has highly exalted. Buddha has not been highly exalted. Muhammad has not been highly exalted. Harry Krishna has not been highly exalted. The Virgin Mary has not been highly exalted. The Pope has not been highly exalted. L. Ron Hubbard, who started Scientology, has not been highly exalted. Joseph Smith, who started the Mormon faith, has not been highly exalted. Jesus is above every name. Jesus is above every person. Jesus is above everything. Jesus is above every sickness, every addiction, every situation, every circumstance, every ruler, every president, every prime minister, every priest, every religious figure, every business, every armed forces, all the military might, above all TV and movie and Hollywood personalities. He's above all angels. He's above all government officials. He's above all outlets. He's above all news commentaries. He's above all demons. He's above the devil. He's beloved the people. He's above all gods. He's above all religions. He's above everyone. Jesus is highly exalted. Now, I don't know if you're going to get nervous or not. I hope not. But the exaltation of Jesus means every knee will bow. Are you nervous a little bit? I'm nervous a little bit, just a little bit. Why? Because I'm going to have to bow before him. Makes me a little bit nervous. It should make everybody a little bit nervous, whether you're an unbeliever, whether you're a demon, or whether you are even a believer. Because when you stand before the Lord and you bow before him, you're going to be held accountable for every word you've spoken. Hello? We're going to be held accountable for every dime we have spent. We are going to be accountable for all the time that we use for him or not for him. We are all going to stand before him and bow our knees and say, he is Lord. So I don't get mad at a lot of people that are against Christianity. Again, there is a fight now against Christianity, especially overseas. There are churches being burnt down. There are pastors being killed and tortured. You say, is it coming here already? There's some communities in Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi where churches are being burned down, even in the black culture. There was a persecution coming against the church of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sure, I get upset about it, but here's what I say to the newscast. Every knee shall bow. How many of you know Nobody gets away with anything that they do against the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow. The word confess means an open verbal 
declaration. Can you imagine some of those individuals today on the news and the media in Hollywood mocking the Lord and mocking Christians? When they die, the first person they're going to see is Jesus. And guess what he's going to say? Bow. And they're going to get on their knees. And he's going to say, who am I? And they're going to be gritting their teeth. They're not going to want to say it, but guess what? They're going to have to. You are Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that he is Jesus. One individual said this, a philosopher. One would go mad if one took the Bible seriously, but to take it seriously, one must be mad already. Every knee shall bow. Have you ever heard of the TV show, The View? It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness. Every knee will bow. An atheist, I condemn Christianity. I bring against the Christian church the most terrible of all the accusations that an accuser has ever had in his mouth. The Christian church has left nothing untouched by its depravity, and it has turned every value into worthlessness. If Jesus would have lived longer, he would have repudiated even his own doctrine. I got news for you, Mr. Atheist. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I got news for you, every Hollywood actor and actress. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I got news for everybody who stands against the Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I got news for all of us that are born again believers. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you give him praise this morning and thank him? Come on, really praise him. He's a great and a wonderful God, isn't he?